Welcome to Edwards Beyond the Test, a podcast that goes behind the scenes of the flight test mission at Edwards Air Force Base. I'm Don Waldman from the 412 Test Wing Public Affairs. More than likely, we've all heard or used the phrase human factor in conversation. I personally use it when I speak of fatigue. Well, here at Edwards, there is a small group of human factors engineers who are part of the human systems integration flight who always think of the human factors in association with flight test. Today, we'll talk with one of the human factors engineers who currently works on the legacy F-16 aircraft. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Dakari Williamson. He's from the 773rd Test Squadron. Dakari, I really appreciate that you're here with us today. I'm glad to be here. It's it's definitely a blessing and definitely a, a highlight in my career thus far. Well, thank you. You know, over the years, I've had an opportunity to talk with many different types of engineers, but I have to say you are the first human factors engineer that I've ever had the opportunity to talk with. So do you mind telling us what a human factors engineer is in relationship to flight test? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we center ourselves, obviously, on the on the human system. So the human system is very complex, and um, we look at, you know, how the the, the user, how the human um, kind of works within in relation to flight tests in the aircraft, right? So we're looking at uh, the aviation systems. We're looking at how uh, usable the systems are. Uh, we'll look at the pilot's workload, um, you know, if the systems are contributing or, or taking away from uh, the user's situational awareness. There's such a, a, a wide array of things that a human factors engineer can do. Uh, obviously, we have various different platforms um, of aircraft that we field and uh, test here at Edwards. So we can go as deep as ergonomics. We can look at you know system um, usability. There's just a plethora of different things that we do as human factors engineers, and it, it really comes down to um, you know how we're upgrading. The, uh, the flight systems, um, what technology we're, you know, we're implementing. And it's just, it's a lot of stuff, and it's a, it's a fun time uh, specifically for human factors engineers, uh, given, given the, the, the current landscape and uh, where we're going with our technology. Well, you're assigned over to the 773rd Test Squadron, but you're currently matrixed at the 416th Flight Test Squadron. What kind of work are you doing over there? Uh, at the 416th, we specialize in the F-16. We also do work on the, uh, the T-38 and now the, the new T-7 aircraft. Obviously, T-7 is brand new, so we have uh, human factors engineers, um, you know, kind of testing alongside of uh, Boeing, and uh, make doing tremendous work over there. From time to time, we'll look at different flight systems within the T-38. But what I primarily focus my um, my my study and and tests are with the uh, foreign military sales on the F-16. So our allied nations they they purchase F-16s from us, and they're constantly updating their systems. So. We're testing uh, new new um, OFPs. We're looking at new weapons and things like that. That pretty much uh, empowers the warfighter, whether it's uh, you know U.S. forces or allied nations. So that's what we do, uh, and that's what I specifically do here at the 416. Well, Dakari, you mentioned the T-7, brand new, untested aircraft. Well, some, somewhat untested, if you know what I mean. But we're doing the, the developmental test evaluation for that. But um, and I see why a human factors engineer would be needed really on that. But tell us why so much on a legacy aircraft like the F-16? 
Well, just just like our cars, you know, we have to keep up with the times. We have new technology that will help the user, you know, uh, operate motor vehicles safely. So kind of the same kind of the same thing, kind of the same flavor when we look at aircraft. So with our F-16, we, we, const, uh, we have, you know, different flight instruments, flight um, avionic systems that uh, assist the user in being able to employ weapons or find where they are in relation to where they are in the world, you know, global positioning, all of these different things. So as the technology improves, we are making sure that we can implement all of the all of the new things and taking out some of the old, but in taking out some of the old flight systems, we got to make sure that we didn't disrupt any of the other working systems within the aircraft. So it's a constant cycle of testing the new, ensuring uh, all the old is still working and is still able to get the uh, aircraft or, you know, shoot, move and communicate <laughs> the aircraft. So there, there's, there's, it's, it's definitely a lot. And I think that's one of the biggest tasks are the, the checks and balances with, um, you know, adding and testing different systems. Well, Dakari, you mentioned you're working in foreign military sales. Why is this flight test program taking place at Edwards? Foreign military sales is, is kind of a, a big program for us because, as mentioned before, when we, t- when we talk about the warfighter, we want to make sure our allies are just as equipped and their readiness is uh, just as important as our own. When they are upgrading their aircraft, we have some of the, the best uh, test pilots to ensure aircraft's readiness and we're able to report back to uh, the end user to say, yes, you know, this is a good system or these are some of the things that you should know, these are significant or, you know, this is something that changed. So you might want to adjust your training to, you know, how these new systems work. Well, Dakari, throughout your engineering career, you've had some opportunities that are just incredible to participate in programs and have small stakes and programs like the Auto GCAS. Tell us about that. One thing I love about the 416th is, um, yes, we do big programs like the Auto GCAS. And for me, it was was just like a blessing to have even um, a small role in it. But What's humbling for me is being able to sit uh, with the flight sciences team as these guys are writing the codes for Auto GCAS, and I had the opportunity to look at like some some mechanization for button placement for the pilot. So it allowed me to take up you know a little bit of stake in this big Auto GCAS program. And, like I, I don't. <laughs> I hate bringing it up with these guys because I they've got to try and act cool whenever I'm around them. But I'm absolutely like amazed at some of the work that these guys do at Flight Sciences and um, uh, with the F-35 and the F-16 um, receiving the Collier Trophy. It just it really put its stamp in time and it really validated where I am in my career. Uh, one of my one of my like very proud moments thus far with the 416th is not only being able to see how this type of technology saves people, but even to kind of take up some space in it. So that was that was huge for me. That is huge. And congratulations. And for those who don't know it, Auto GCAS is the Automated Ground Collision Avoidance System. So you really like the F-16 aircraft. Would you say that's your favorite jet? It is definitely my favorite aircraft. Why do you like the older aircraft? It's just something about a classic vehicle <laughs> that, for me, it's just comparative to the, the, the old Chevelle, the old old Porsche Carreras. If you take something old and you just implement the newest, it's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, like, fifth gen is cool and all, but, like, it's just something about, uh, you know, the F-16s and 
that I just think is just the, like kind of the coolest thing. You know, single engine bird, uh, you know, kind of different variations, multi-role. I just absolutely love the look. It's it's a it's a go-kart. You know, the Viper. I, I absolutely love the Viper. Dakari, you recently told me that this was your dream job, but getting here wasn't an easy road. We'll talk about that journey in just a moment. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Our guest today is Mr. Dakari Williamson, who is a human factors engineer with the 773rd Test Squadron here at Edwards. So, Dakari, is it true that when you were a young man, your dream was to become a pilot? What did you do early on to pursue that dream? My dream was to definitely become a pilot, but I knew, um, you know, it was going to be a lot of work. I was the son of a, of a, of a Navy guy, so um, the military was always something on the in, in the... I wouldn't say in the cards, like I know I wanted to go to college, but I guess to get closer to my goal, I said, you know what, Dad, I really love airplanes, and as long as I'm working on uh, aircraft, um, I think I'll be happy, and I could kind of chip away at what my goal is, you know, to eventually become a pilot. <laughs> my dad was a Navy guy, so uh, I said, yeah, Dad, I'm going to go I'm gonna go, into the, go into the Navy. And he said, look, son, you're way smarter than me. I'm going I'm to introduce you to the Air Force. And, uh, and that's what he did. He, you know, he, um, you know we, we looked at different opportunities. And I think uh, the, best, the best bet for me at the time was looking at the Air Force. So I told the recruiter, you know, I don't care what, whatever it is that I do in the, mili- in the Air Force, as long as it's working on jets, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good to go and I'll, I'll commit to that. So you joined the Air Force. And what was your career field then? So I was a 2W1 aircraft armament systems technician, uh, weapons troop. So we were responsible with loading uh, uh, bombs, missiles, gun system. Everything that relates to the, the, the guns or the weapons system was my job. And uh, I was actually tasked and shredded out to the F-15. So I started my career as an F-15 troop. And uh, after I obtained my five-level transition to um, – kind of open open weapon systems. I worked uh, on the flight line. I worked in the back shop and uh, worked on various different platforms in the back shop, but uh, eventually made my way to the Viper, and it's been, um, it's been F-16s ever since. Well, you weren't in for very long before 2005 rolled around. There was a reduction in force at that time in the Air Force. That caused you to have to take up some different opportunities. Do you want to share that with us? Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, I was a, I was a four-year enlistee, and uh, it was at the height, at least for me, the height of uh, force shaping. So I had, you know, a couple opportunities. Um, I was working here at Edwards, and, um, you know, when I went in to talk to my career counselor about, you know, the different options, uh, HPO was kind of a, a big topic. It was a, it was a hot topic at the time because we wanted to make uh, Edwards Air Force Base a, a high-performing organization. And um, pretty much fill the spots with uh, the civilian workforce. So they said, you know what, you can reenlist, but this this is also something that you may consider, which is you know applying to become a civil servant. So uh, I looked at that, I weighed my options, and I was like, wow, this is kind of a tremendous opportunity. So uh, I kind of went that route, and uh, it took a little bit of time to process, but eventually. Um, I did. I got hired on as a as a weapons uh, as a weapons technician, but we were also cross utilized to do um, to to do crew chief duties. So, again, assigned to uh, the 412th Aircraft Maintenance Squadron, 
at the time we were we were Shadow, and uh, I worked uh, F-16s here at Shadow, and uh, it, it was it was great. It was a, it was a fantastic time. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, learned a lot about the machine. At that point, I actually transitioned my entire career to aircraft, power plant, and ground. Kind of stepped away from the weapon systems to kind of give myself a little bit more versatility uh, within the workforce. So while that was going on, the Army Reserves came up. What was happening there? In transitioning from from the Air Force. Now, if you ask me when I was a, a young man and when I was in, enlisted into the Air Force, you know, I would have told you I was a 20-year guy. I felt like I separated a little prematurely. And uh, for whatever reason, although I was working on and, and wrenching on aircraft, I had like this overwhelming feeling that I had left something on the table. What I left on the table was my commitment to trying to be become an aviator, you know, becoming a pilot. So I said, okay, uh, I will never forgive myself if I get to become an old man. And my, you know, I have to have a conversation with my grandkids and talk about, you know, what I did or didn't do in, in my in my career. So I, I kind of reverse engineered that and said, okay, I have one shot, one opportunity to try and make this thing happen. So I uh, went back to college, finished my undergrad, and um, I, I pursued the Air Force Reserve and the Air National Guard to try and get a, a flight position, which is a very, very, if anyone knows, it's a very competitive process. So um, ultimately, it didn't, it didn't manifest with the Air Force. But uh, once I hit the age limit, because they are very strict about the age limit at the time, I, I thought all the doors were closed. Um, that is until... I looked at opportunities with other branches, and that, that kind of landed me in the, the Army's, you know, recruiting station. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I, I really want to be a pilot. And they said, oh, well, what, what makes you think you could be a pilot? And I said, you know, I have 12 years of aircraft experience. I work weapon systems. I work this. And they were like, oh, you should definitely be a pilot, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, so they, they, they got me in touch with their commander. Uh, their commander at the time, um, Captain uh, uh, Josh Dawson, really, really good guy. Um, he said, you know, this is what I do, and I actually took this different route. I, I started my career as a guardsman. He kind of gave me this roadmap and says, you know, the Army has all of these different programs to, to kind of put you through. In his career, he became a, a age 64 Apache pilot. And I was just like, yeah, I would, I would love that. You know, I love everything weapons. I love, you know, targeting systems and stuff like that. So he gave me this blueprint and I went with the army and, and, and took this blueprint with me and went through, you know, ROTC and eventually became uh, commissioned as an aviation officer in, uh, in 2016. So that was like step one, you know, step one getting through yeah, it just never really manifested the way that I wanted it to. But I found all of these other opportunities along the way, which is, you know, being a human factors engineer. And that's pretty exciting to me. I think, um, you know, you had a great growth period. You hit Edwards doing an awesome job for the warfighter in, in probably one of the most unique places. in the. I know it is the most unique place in the planet to do this kind of work. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is great, but, um, you know, it never really manifested because, it, well, I had to pivot. Uh, just different things in life kind of happened, and I, again, you know, had to say, well, what was really important? Well, in the same time, I had no idea, but, you know, my civilian career kind of kind of manifested, and, you know, somebody found me and said, hey, wow, we have a, you know, we heard you're a human factors guy. And I said, yeah, absolutely. 
um, we we heard you uh, you know you studied this in in um, in your master's program. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And they said, well, we have a human factors flight. <laughs> and I said, well, seriously, we, like we have that here at Edwards, and and that's kind of around the same time when things didn't happen one way. Things started to kind of kind of take hold, and like all these little small pieces started to fall in place in a different direction. And so, uh, yeah, I was like, wow, I, I'm a human factors engineer now. Like, <laughs> I had no idea that this is even a thing. Dakari, you're the type of person who takes full responsibility of your own destiny. We'll talk about that as well as your work toward helping our veterans in just a moment. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Our guest today is Mr. Dakari Williamson, who is a human factors engineer with the 773rd Test Squadron here at Edwards. Well, Dakari, let's start this chapter with something that's very dear to your heart, which is helping our veterans. You volunteer with the Merging Vets and Players MVP program as well as other outreach. Why does this mean so much to you? Merging Vets and Players means so much to me, and just veteran outreach means so much to me because um, MVP um, kind of came into my life at this very, um, not necessarily low point, but I definitely needed it. What MVP is, um, it's a nonprofit organization that kind of centers itself on um, fitness and mental health, and uh, I never understood really what mental health was or how to practice good mental health, I guess I should say. I had mentioned earlier that I went through this period where I had to make a decision where my military career was going to go at the time and, um, you know, my civilian career. I guess MVP came into my life at a time where I needed to be able to get a lot of the things that were kind of holding me back out. I had to get it – I was compartmentalizing a lot of my emotions and things that were, you know – holding me back and uh, MVP provided a space that allowed me to be vocal and you know kind of purge all of the bad things that were really uh, holding me back and um, I see that in a lot of the veterans uh, a lot of veterans in my community we, we target transition and the transitional period from leaving the military um, going back to you know the civilian workforce civilian society is is difficult specifically if you really don't know what is, you know, coming around the corner, uh, so to speak. I know I was very young. I was, what, 23 years old when I got out of the military and, you know, trying to find a place to stay, uh, a, a job while I was waiting for to get hired onto my primary job. It, it's really difficult, and a lot of people falter in that, that transitional period. So what we do with um in the, you know an MVP is we we look at that and say hey this is a place where we can kind of organize and kind of share thoughts experiences and you know uplift each other in the times that are really low that is what you know captured my heart and it feels good doing it every day being able to you know mix it up with um different veterans and just kind of be some good in a world that's dark at times Dakari, um, in case our listeners want to go and explore MVP on their own, can you give us the website for this nonprofit organization? Yes, um, mergingvetsandplayers.org. Um, you can go and, and, and check it out. Um, my story is on there in the member story section, but we have five chapters now. So I belong to the Los Angeles chapter. We have Las Vegas, 
um, Atlanta, Chicago, and we most recently opened up uh, a chapter in New York City. So we have five chapters right now, and uh, we are doing um, virtual sessions. It's um, well, our sessions period are um, we we work we work out together uh, for about 30 minutes just to kind of get the blood flowing, and then we sit together as a uh, as a team, and we get in what we call the huddle, and we just kind of talk it out. So we've been doing that virtually now um, since the whole COVID-19 thing started. So mergingvetsandplayers.org, um, join one of our chapters, and you'll get a link for our session. So there's some, some criteria that um, you need to fit. Uh, it's it's uh, for combat vets. Again, there's criteria. So, Dakari, you're very mindful of who you are and how you got to this point in your life. You know, in a recent conversation, you told me that tomorrow's not promised and that, as I stated a moment ago, you're in charge of your own destiny. What do you mean by all of that? Yeah, so I, I really had to start really um, understanding living into living in the moment and um, doing the things that genuinely make you happy. Um, for the longest time, I was just doing things because, like, oh, um, I was told, and not that it's a bad thing, but hey, this is if you do this is gonna you know you'll make a lot of money doing this or you know all of these different things. But what I found out in trying all of these different things that were suggested, or you know, I found out like I was just the, the most unhappy and like most miserable person ever, right? And um, it wasn't until I started to kind of do the things that genuinely brought me joy because there was a small time in my transition where I was just like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll go into IT. You can always find IT work. And um, only to find out, like, I absolutely hate computers. Like, there's absolutely nothing that I can do that won't bring me currency because I would hate to go to work and have to deal with this every day, right? So I said, well, what what do I like? You know, what what is most important to me? And I, I found most of my joy on the flight line, turning wrenches, you know, the smell of jet fuel and things going really, really fast. That is what brings me joy. And eventually, um, you know, the the universe, <laughs> specifically the aerospace uh, flight test universe, is what made space for me, right? And I'm, I'm sitting here as a, as a human factors engineer, which I didn't even think that was even a thing. I didn't know that that was a thing. The only reason I, I got into it in um, – in college was one I had some excellent instructors they were test pilots rest in peace Mr. Hill um, and I just thought it was just the most interesting thing I had no idea that I can I had a future so in some crazy way the universe will make space where you belong and um, you know tomorrow is not promised so if tomorrow is not promised why would you spend any of your time doing something that's not making you happy Right. So, uh, you know, specifically in, in, in these times, this pandemic. So, Dakari, when it comes to helping others, especially mentoring a younger group, you once said you need to be the person you needed when you were 18 to 20 years old. And as you mentor people now, who do you hope hears your message? Great question. Um, so I mean, 18 to 20 years old, I was I was a bit of a knucklehead. So I needed some guidance and I needed somebody to, you know, kind of grab me by the shoulders and kind of tell me, <laughs> reality give me some real real stuff of substance so i do that now and um it's you know 18 20 years old you're still you're still trying to really find yourself specifically if you're um you know new to the military so 
avoid the pitfalls, avoid, you know, these types of attitudes and habits. And who I hope to hear this are, are the people like myself that had a hard time um, shedding the, the civilian mentality, right, kind of the bad attitude, the um, the, the questioning of authority, kind so to speak. Not, I'm not saying, you know, don't question authority. Just, you know, do it in a way that it is professional and, you know, you can grow and develop from it. I'm also talking to the the people that are, you know, the the low-key plane nerds who get into the military and think, uh, you know, get mixed up in the, the different groups. Uh, oh, this is dumb, you know, whatever. Take as many pictures while you're in service with the, the, the people around you right now. Like, to me, that's the most important. Really, really capture everything that you're doing. It's not corny. Because in, in about 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to want to look back and you're going to want to, you know, um, recall all of the, the fun times, something that I didn't do. Um, but most importantly, I hope my children find this one day. I work every day to try and leave something so much bigger than myself, right? I want to leave a lasting legacy that my children could be tr- uh, proud of. You know, things live on the Internet for years and years and years, and I hope when, you know, they pull something up and they say, you know, is this your dad? Oh, yeah, that is my dad or that is my grandpa. Doing something so much bigger than yourself to me is, is one of those um, things that I want to give to, you know, to my family, to my children. I want to do something to make them proud, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it in the nutshell. Like, what we're doing here is really cool, or at least I, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> and I want to be able to share that with them. Dakari, it's been such an honor and pleasure to have this time to talk with you today and get to know you. And I tell you, from now on, every time I see an F-16 flying, I'm going to think of you and Human Factors Engineering. But before I let you go today, I please share with us what it means to you to be here at Edwards Air Force Base and part of the center of the aerospace testing universe. Wow. Um, it, is, it is truly an honor. And uh, we're making history like we're making history out here every single day and um to be a part of that means so much more you know i thought um i needed to be somewhere else and you know faith kind of put me right here in the center of aerospace universe it's it's funny cuz i sit here and i think about when i did show up here as a first term airman and you know kind of the the attitude I had because, you know, the recruiter sold me the dream and I ended up in Southern California <laughs> not doing all of the things that they told me in the recruiting pitch. But it's funny that 15, excuse me, 16 years from now, I'm still sitting here and I'm sitting on this podcast telling you how truly amazing it has been. So I absolutely love what we're doing here. Again, we're we're making history, and um, I can't be more delighted on where, you know, faith and opportunity has kind of landed me. So thank you again, Don. Thank you, uh, 412 uh, Test Wing. Uh, I really appreciate um, the 773rd Test Squadron, uh, 416th, where skulls rule. I absolutely love what we're doing here. 
Many thanks to today's guest, Mr. Dakari Williamson, for taking time out to share his story and taking us beyond the test. We invite our listeners to submit their suggestions for future episodes by sending us an email at beyondtest at 412TW.us. Thanks to all for joining us. I'm Don Waldman for Edwards Beyond the Test. <laughs>